Um, so we're going to be reading Hebrews eleven seventeen to 31. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, Joseph bowing in worship over the head of his, of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of Exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he, grew, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than enjoy fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the, re to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkle, sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. By the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Hello, hello, Ooh. Okay. No bump music, huh? Quiet for me. Come on, play. We don't have this stuff. We can't play the music. All right. Um, all right. I take preaching seriously, well, even though I never preached before. I'm sitting because I have a hurt back. I have an L5 disc herniation that I can't stand more than two minutes. So give me a little bit of grace. I appreciate it. Um, wow, this is crazy. Um, yeah, so. Today's a special day. It's, uh, it's July 11th. Happens to be my mother's birthday. And uh, providence of God, when Scott announced, you're going to preach, I'm like, all right, cool. He gave me July 11th. I'm like, oh, gosh, it's my mom's birthday. <laughs> I didn't tell my mom. I actually didn't tell my mom. Well, I don't think for six months, didn't tell her. She found out like two weeks ago that I was preaching. She said, are you preaching? I'm like, yeah. She got my birthday. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, you son of a gun. Um, she went to, she's down in North Carolina visiting my brothers. She's going to go see my other brother. So, um, ultimately, yeah. So I'm happy, I'm happy it's her birthday. I'm, I'm happy she's not here, but love you, mom. Um, I wanted to share a story. Um, so I played college football, uh, in 2003, we were playing Ohio State. I was at Indiana and we were losing, I don't know, 35, nothing at this point. I was a backup. I was a freshman. So I, you know, it was okay. Uh, I got in the game though. And uh, our team ended up scoring on that drive. I caught like a third down 
uh, first down pass, which was cool. Super excited. And on after we scored, the television TV was panning, you know, panning the crowd, panning the teams, and all that. And so we were losing 35-6. I guess looking back, I don't know what I was thinking, but the camera was on me, and I went, "Hi, mom." And uh, for my mother's birthday, she's going to see this sermon to the camera in the back. Hi, mom. It's my first time preaching, so I thought that'd be a cool segue. Uh, what's it called? I've been here a long time. Um, in, in the spirit of everybody who's preached other than Scott, everyone's kind of shared their story. So I just want to give you a little bit about me, where I'm from, what I do. Um, what's it called? I'm from New Jersey. I don't know if my attitude or speed of talking you know, you know, gives that away. I grew up in New Jersey. Born in Belleville Hospital, Claire Moss. I don't know if anybody knows where that is. I lived in a small borough called Lincoln Park near Wayne, New Jersey. It's kind of a small, small, small town. And uh, half my childhood was there. I ended up leaving Lincoln Park with my family, going up to Sussex County, which is kind of very different than, uh, than, than Lincoln Park. It's, a, it's farmland. We lived on a 100-acre farm in New Jersey. Go figure. And uh, that was cool. I really enjoyed that. I was there through high school before I went to college and met Morgan, played football. Uh, my dad, my dad uh, was an immigrant. He came to the States in 1976. I think he came to North Carolina initially. Not even really sure what he was doing down there, but somehow he ended up in the tri-state area. He's a self-taught mechanic. He fixed a lot of like foreign cars. My dad's like super old school. Like if you ever seen the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the father in that is my dad. Very, very similar. Every, everything about him is very similar. Uh, my dad taught me a lot of things. He taught me how to work hard. His hands were like cement. Every, you know, he just had like these meat paws. And like he just really, really liked passing on his hard labor onto his kids. I mean, we basically worked, we worked on the farm. We did all this crazy stuff. And he also taught me how to respect people. He used to take me to a bar and shake everyone's hand at the bar. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. He taught me how to respect people, look them in the eye and shake their hand. And, um, yeah, my dad uh, wasn't overly a religious guy. He did go to the, um, what do you call them, big holidays. Uh, he was a Russian, he was Serbian, he was Yugoslavian, but I don't really know, I feel like I should know, like a Russian Orthodox, Slavic Orthodox religion. My experience going to his church, only went a handful of times. I remember going uh, to Elizabeth, New Jersey. We would travel all the way from Sussex County to Elizabeth to go to church on the big holidays. And I remember being in the, you know, the sanctuary, you know, where the priests were. It was, it was very empty. It was a lot emptier than this. And, uh, but it was, it was kind of, it felt sacred. It was in nice lighting, you know, uh, stained glass windows, everything. The priest would speak in my father's native tongue, Yugoslavian. And uh, I don't really know a lot, <laughs> but he would, he would say a bunch of stuff that I had no idea what he was saying. He would have a chain with, uh, with something holding smoke, and we'd toss smoke in the room. And so, you know, it was a very revering time. I remember lighting candles. I was like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, light a candle. For what? For the dead. I'm like, okay, great. I'll do it. But I remember just not really knowing what's going on, having an understanding of God, but not really knowing what was going on. And then it was really empty, as I said, but like five minutes before it ended, it'd be like standing room only. It'd be like this. You know, it'd be like if every just, everybody just started coming in when I ended. <laughs> like it would be literally standing room only. It'd be like this. And then there would be the, the communion, and everybody would go in line. We'd go down. I think I, I ended up kissing the priest's hand. I kissed the gold cross, and then I had the, the elements. I had no idea what I was doing, but my dad was proud of me, so I did it. Contrast. Talk about my mom. So my mom is not an immigrant. She was from Passaic County, New Jersey. She grew up in uh, Prospect Park, North Halden area. I don't know if any 
People know where that is, near Bergen County, Pasig County. So my mom, she's one of nine kids. She grew up in a very conservative home. Um, the church she attended as a youth was a Dutch Reformed church. Um, I think she went to church at least twice, maybe three times a day on Sunday. Um, she did nothing but church on Sunday. And my mom, I get a lot, I get a lot of, I'm learning this. I realize I'm a lot like my mom. She's kind of like, she's kind of difficult. And, um, and like, she's just like a, she just, she's just not, she, she, it wasn't, she just didn't do well with a conservative Dutch Reformed church. She just didn't do well with it. She, she rebelled. She's one of nine kids. Ultimately, you know, she obviously married my dad. Uh, she had two, I have two twin brothers a year older and then myself. So kind of like triplets. And, you know, we were kind of crazy. And uh, I remember going to church with my mom, and the experience was, was a different contrast than my dad. The church I went to was uh, super conservative. Uh, women wore hats, which, fine, it's great, but every single woman wore a hat, a head covering. I remember three young kids, and my mom, my dad didn't go, um, trying to corral those kids, you know, moms, dads in, in the crowd, right, corralling kids to go to church. I mean, we showed up late almost every time. And I remember the church didn't allow you to sit in the congregation, if you were late, you had to sit in the basement. And we'd listen to like a speaker on the wall. And so you just heard the sermon. And I remember just like that whole like thing just created a whole like, wow, just this who I am naturally as a young rambunctious kid. Just it's not welcome here, you know. Um, I really was interested in all the stuff I heard, though. I heard all the Old Testament stories and catechism and the, the teaching and everything. And I knew there was this God, but we only learned the Old Testament. And so <laughs> I just remember learning all these stories. And we're going we're gonna to read a bunch of these. I remember listening and, 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 and learning and, and realizing that there's a God out there and he, 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 he's angry and he's wrathful and he judges people and people die and it's just a scary thing. And when you're a child and you know, well, I'm kind of sinning. Like I'm bad to my mom. I remember like the Ten Commandments, children listen to your parents. And I remember being like, I don't do that. And I felt, I felt really scared. I know it sounds funny, but I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to die. I'm going to get the wrath of God. Um, I mentioned the, the table standing room only in my dad's place. In my mom's church, really big contrast. Real big Yeti fan here, FYI. Um, in my mom's church, there was the table. Two guys would be standing and the reverend would be talking. And only the two guys standing took communion. Everyone else watched. And at the time, I didn't know what the heck was going on. But... Literally, those are the only two people welcomed at the table. And now I look back, I'm like, I never heard any grace, never heard anything about Jesus, nothing. I knew nothing. But it was just a strange place that just built up a lot of anxiety for me. And ultimately, fearing God and anxiety, afraid of dying, was, was just a big part of my story. And I remember, um, fast forward a little bit, I was 15 years old. My mother had a brother who was a Christian, born again. And he invited us to his church. And I heard... You know, the message, the preacher gave the message. I couldn't tell you what he preached on. But I'll never forget, at the end of the sermon, he gave an altar call. And he, he, he went through uh, Romans Road. He went through the Romans text that basically highlights how you're saved. And this is, how you're saved is like something I wanted my entire life up until this point. And I was 15. And he said, if you uh, believe that Jesus died and you believe that he rose again, you believe that he's Lord and you confess that and believe with your heart, like, you'll be saved. And that's the first time I ever heard that. And I've been, like, you know, going to my mom's church, just learning about this Old Testament God, but never being told, hey, like, there's hope, you know? And so, like, 
he basically asked, does anybody want to receive that? Does anybody want that? Does anybody want to follow, follow God, trust Jesus with your life, and, and do it? I was like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. Um, <clears throat> so I'm going to take a pause there. I'm going to pray, and then um, we're going to get into it. <clears throat> so, dear God, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this day. Thank you for ordaining this day. Uh, I'm, I'm humbled to be up here just thinking about my life and, and what you've done. Um, thank you, God, as, as we're learning in Hebrews, that Jesus uh, makes a way uh, to allow us into the holy place, uh, allows us to speak to you, allows us to pray and, and, and ask in confidence uh, just how absurd it is to um, say words and to open air uh, to those who look on. But God, we, we speak to you, God, and you hear us in the holy place. So God, I, I pray and ask by the power of Jesus Christ, your Holy Spirit, God, I pray, God, would you empower my words, empower your word, and God, uh, help us, Lord, um, all the individuals here uh, on the call and in person and those who would hear this recording, I pray uh, as individuals that their faith, our faith, my faith, all of our faith would grow in knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go. So I was laughing last week. Pastor Scott preached. He did a good job. So... <laughs> He was saying how long his text was, and he's like, oh my gosh, my text is so long, and I'm laughing, I'm sitting in the back there. I'm like, you have no idea how long my text is. <laughs> um, so I wanted to clarify expectations. Um, there are seven different segments here, and honestly, I don't want to leave any of them out. So we're going to be here for seven hours. Now, um, this, this, my text deserves seven, ser seven sermons. I'm not going to preach seven sermons. I'm going to do my best to give you little pieces and to give you um, what does faith look like, all right? Um, so I apologize if I go quickly, but like I said, I don't want to be here forever. I don't think you guys do either, but I think what I say and what's, what's here, I think, I think you'll, it'll be good, hopefully. Praise God. So the plan today is the seven segments. I'm going to read each. So Dean, if you can go verse by verse, if you don't mind, we're going to do each little segment about each different character. And uh, just as a refresher, what is faith? Scott preached on this. Uh, Hebrews 11 I like how Pastor Scott kind of um, put in better, more representative words for what the, you know, the Greek words are actually saying. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. And down in verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever, draw, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So you can see in verse 1, Faith is, 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 has to be substance. It has to be something that's palpable, something that, 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 that is interacted with. It's not just something that's up here, as seen in verse 6. You know, we must believe that God exists. So there is this a head component, but then he rewards those who seek him, right? So the seeking is kind of the substance. It's how it fleshes itself out, if you will. It's, it's, it's the, the head knowledge becoming incarnate. It's becoming in our flesh, lived out, and it's palpable. You can touch it. You can speak it. You can experience it. Does that make sense? Okay. You guys can talk, too. I'm, I'm cool with it. Okay, so you see the verse up there. I'm going to read it quick. <clears throat> Hebrews 11, 17 and 19. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it is said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. All right, so the scene is um, God, God talks to Abraham. Abraham's name means father of many nations, right? So God promises, hey, I'm going to bless the whole world through you. You're going to have a long uh, offspring, and I'm going to bless the world through you, right? 
So that offspring starts with Isaac, but along the story, God says, hey, I need you to sacrifice Isaac. <laughs> What's crazy is, is, is like Abraham doesn't even put up a fight. He just, he just goes, he does it. It's crazy. Um, so they go to Mount Moriah. They ultimately, just, it, it, he, they go with a bunch of people. They end up just him and his son. He bounds his son. He ties him up, and he's getting ready to slay his son. And, and literally in the act of coming down with the knife, uh, Genesis, Genesis 22, 12, you don't have this, Dean. Um, in the act of Abraham about to slay his son, here is what God says. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy <clears throat> or do anything to him, for now I know you fear God, seeing that you've, you've not withheld your only son uh, from me. And then ultimately following that, God provides a substitute. He provides a ram, and they sacrifice to God there. So what faith looks like here in, in this obviously very short um, summary, what faith looks like here, there's a, you know, Abraham, there was a willingness to sacrifice and part ways with something that you really love. He loved his kid, you know? He was 75 years old when he was promised. He was 100 years old when he had his kid. In Mar- you know, it's like a miracle, right? And then now the kid's older, and now God's like, I need him back. It's like, he loved that kid, but yet he, sacrificed, he was going to sacrifice him. He fully trusting that God was even able to raise him from the dead. So I think that's the takeaway for us, all right? Next, we got Isaac. All right, this is a very long story, but I'm going to try. Um, Hebrews 11:20, Dean. So we got, by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Real quick, Genesis 25, 23 God speaks. In this context, Isaac's actually married. He's with Rebekah. And said, the Lord said to her, he says, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So God has spoken here. He's like, this is going to happen. These babies are in the womb. I'm telling you what's going to happen. So that's Genesis 25. Later on in the chapter, we're told that Esau is just, you know, he's, he's the firstborn. And then you got Jacob, right? And Jacob's name means he steals. So Jacob's not really taking his birthright seriously. You know, he, he, he works a lot. He came home, and he was seriously tired, and he's like, I'm hungry. So Jacob, who steals, says, hey, give me your birthright. I'll give you some food. He's like, okay, fine. So he's like, I don't need my birthright, Esau. He's like, I don't need it. Later on in the chapter, we're told that um, Isaac is, is old. Isaac's blind. Isaac's old, and he knows the promise. He knows he has to pass on the blessing because that's, that's Abraham, Isaac, and his offspring. So he's, he's ready to pass it on to, to Esau in this case. Um, so Esau goes out to kill, kill he, he, he tells Esau, go, go kill something to make me dinner. And in the process, Rebekah and Jacob steal the blessing from Isaac. They convince Isaac to bless Jacob, which is crazy. He stole the blessing. Later on in the story, Isaac and Esau are both weeping. Isaac's weeping. Esau's weeping. Esau's saying, don't you have another blessing? You have nothing left. You have nothing for me. Um, and I'm going to steal. Sorry, Rich. Later on in Hebrews, we're told, um, tw- uh, Hebrews 12, 16, and 17, we're told, see to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. I think it's so crazy that those are right next to each other. Who sold his birthright for a single meal, for you know that afterward he desired it to inherit the blessing, but he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. So this is context of, of weeping and regret. And Esau, like I just think about my own kids, Esau's like, dad, 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 come on, come on. I know I messed up. Give me a blessing, give me a blessing. And Esau doesn't bless Esau, or Isaac, sorry. Isaac doesn't bless Esau. He actually curses his son. And I think it's crazy um, that he curses his son. He blesses Jacob. He curses Esau. And I think the, um, the word for us, what faith looks like in this context, sometimes by faith looks like saying a hard word to someone who's not taking the things of God seriously. Like Esau wasn't taking it seriously, and he, he received a hard word.
Moving on. Here we go. How are we doing? Good? Doing good. All right. All right. Jacob, 1121. You moving these, Dean? <laughs> 1121. Is everybody reading? Is that helpful? All right. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of, the, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Not a very exciting text here. Uh, but the scene is, um, what does he say? Joseph. So Joseph's one of his 12 kids. He ends up going away. He doesn't see him for a long time. Joseph ends up having two kids. They're in Egypt at, at this point. And so Jacob, we're told, he's the younger who the older was serving the younger. He received a blessing from God. So he's about to die. Similar scene, like he's, um, you know, He's gonna. He's he's old. He's gonna die. So he wants to bless. He wants he wants to bless the grandkids of Joseph, who whom he loved, who he hadn't seen for years. So he's like, bring me your kids. So he ends up putting his right hand out here. Normally, the right hand is your strong hand, right? You're supposed to to bless the um. What do you call it? The the, the oldest. The oldest. In this case, it was uh, Manasseh, <laughs> and the other one over here was Ephraim, right? So he was supposed to do this, but Jacob decided to do this. Literally, the text says he does this. And Joseph's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. You're supposed to just, he, he moves his hands. And Jacob's like, no, I'm doing it this way. And what faith looks like in this case, culture says to do it this way. This is the way it's supposed to be done, okay? But this is what God does. This is what God does. The older will serve the younger. And he did it by faith because he, he was living proof of, of God's promise and of God's provision. So he's just like, hey, I'm doing it this way, all right? That's a takeaway. Do it God's way. Next one. That was a quick one. That was a nice one. Joseph. So, 11.22, right? By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions according to his bones. So context on Joseph, another really long story. I highly recommend reading all of these stories on your own. So Joseph, we're told early on that he's a dreamer. He has a gift from God where he's able to uh, dream and interpret dreams. So <laughs> one of, one of uh, what, one of 12 he ends up telling his brothers, hey, um, one day I'm going to rule over you. I, I had this dream, really awesome dream, and I'm going to rule over you. It's going to be awesome. No brother, no older brother loves that. They ultimately sell him into slavery. They, you know, they don't like the guy. So he goes into slavery. He ends up in a prison, right? He has two other prisoners with him. They both have dreams. He's like, oh, I can interpret those. One guy's dream is like, hey, you're going to get out of here and you're going to live. The other one's like, hey, you're going to die. And he tells him the truth. This is what's going to happen. That's ultimately what happens. Word gets back to Pharaoh, and he has this crazy dream that he can't sleep. And, and so they're like, hey, we got this guy. He's a dreamer. He, you know, he's, he hasn't been wrong yet. Um, so they brought him before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams. And ultimately, it's a, a seven-year famine and a seven-year seven of blessing of, of harvest and, fruit and, you know, plenty. And then there's seven years of famine. So ultimately, like, that all that happens. And then by God's grace and by God's ordainment, he becomes number two in command with Pharaoh. So that's context, okay? So what it says here in Hebrew is that he, ma he makes mention to the Israelites, that there, there's going to be um, the exodus. There's going to be an exodus. And what I think is awesome, this makes me think of, literally my mind went to this, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm not going to read it all, but there's a, there's, a, there's a certain passage there where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit are used for the common good of the community, the, the, the community of God. Some of those gifts are wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, which could be dreams. Um, discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretations of tongues. So this is, this is a, you know, clearly God gave him the gift of dreams. And what faith looked like in this context is he used his spiritual gift. He heard a word from the Lord and he shared it with the body. Now, ultimately, I mean, as we're told, like, I mean, I don't even know how long, 
how long? Hundred years, hundreds of years. They, ultimately, they don't get out of there for a long time. But he passes that on, and ultimately, um, by faith, he shared that, and ultimately, it happened. Moses, here we go. They're going fast. This is great. Hebrews eleven twenty three to twenty nine. This is a longer run. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw the child was beautiful. They were not afraid of the king's edict. The king wanted to kill all the um, males at the time, the Hebrew children. And so by faith, Moses, when he grew up, he uh, refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king. He endured as seeing him who was invisible, unseen. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Love this text. Kind of preaches itself. Love these, right? Um, I'm going to focus on verse 29. So verse 29 I want to focus on. and give you a little summary. Moses, uh, he was given a staff. He had his buddy Aaron with him. And Moses didn't speak well, but God's like, hey, take this staff. This staff's going to do all the miracles that you need to do. Just, just obey. So ultimately, he does 10 plagues, right? I'm not going to go into the first nine. But the 10th plague was it was going to be death to all the firstborns in, in all of Egypt, okay? And at this point, God institutes um, Passover, which I'm sure you all have heard of that, Passover, the, the Jewish holiday. Um, he instituted Passover, where's the uh, sacrificial lamb, right? And then you're supposed to put the blood on the doorpost of your home, and in this text, the, you know, the destroyer that kills all the firstborn spares all the homes that has the blood on the doorpost, right? So at this point, Pharaoh, through the first nine plagues, he didn't let the people go. He didn't let the people go. But at this point, his own son dies, and everyone else is firstborn. Um, he lets the people go, so the people go. But he changes his mind. So let's pick up the scene here. So this is Exodus 14, 10 to 14. So when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? This is like heavy sarcasm. What you have done to us in bringing us out of Egypt. Is it not what we said to you in Egypt? This is like I told you so. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. This is deceiving, this text. Serve the Egyptians. They were slaves. They were, they were like oppressed. And like earlier in the, earlier in the, in the scene, like they're, they're building stuff. They're making bricks. And then like they take away the straw, which, which makes it really harder. It makes it harder. They're like more oppressed after Moses shows up. And yet these people are like, let's go back to Egypt. It's like crazy, bonkers. So Moses, great leader, here's what he says in verse 13. He says, Moses said to the people, he says, fear not, stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. For the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Now, right after that, he turns, puts the staff up, and the Red Sea parts, and they go. So the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Like my immediate, when I was reading this text, studying this text, my, my, my eyes and, and heart went to Matthew 26. Um, this is a story where Jesus uh, is betrayed and he's being sought after by the, by the mob to be arrested and to you know, be put on trial. 
But in this context, quick summary, he, he's, he's literally about to be arrested. He's with his disciples. It's at night. And they try to arrest Jesus. And one of his followers takes a knife and he tries to, I mean, it says it cuts the high priest's ear off. No one's trying to cut anyone's ear off. He's trying to slit the guy's throat. He's trying to kill the guy. He's trying to defend Jesus, right? Ultimately, Jesus heals the priest's ear and he tells his disciples, he's like, hey, listen, like, chill. <laughs> he didn't say chill. He said, just chill. Like, I, I know what's going on here. Like, I can call on legions of angels to save me right now. You don't need to, you don't need to do this. So he goes with the people. He ends up with Pilate, who's the, the, the governing body. And Pilate's like, listen, man, like, they're saying a lot of stuff about you. They're saying all these charges that, that are probably not true. He's like, do you know I have the power to release you? Like, you know you just can talk to me. But Jesus is silent. Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't have any power in this case. So I look at these, these two scenarios, right? There's, there's temptation that, that when our, our faith is challenged, that, that there's this like, impulse to, we, we got to fight back. We got to defend Jesus. We got we to slit throats. You know what I mean? But, but that's, not, that's not the posture of faith. We don't see that. We don't see that with Moses, and we, and we don't see that with Jesus. Um, so what, what faith looks like in this, in this context is what Moses said. It's really cool. I love it. Uh, fear not. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. The Lord fights for you. The Lord fights for you. Be silent. Don't be silent now, though. <laughs> Kidding. We're doing good. It's great. Um, Jericho, Hebrews 11.30 says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been circled for seven days. <laughs> uh, this is one of those ones I could have skipped right now. So this, was, this is a cool scene. So, you know, I just shared the story about Moses. They crossed the Red Sea. They end up crossing the Jordan River. Named my son Jordan after that story. Well, talk to me afterwards. Um, so they're literally getting ready to go to Jericho, right? And Jericho is like, it's like a metropolitan area. It's like the pinnacle. It's like the promised land. It's like, this is the promised land. And um, God gives them very basic instructions. He says, he says to Joshua, because at this point, Joshua was leading them, not Moses. And he's like, hey, have the people walk around the town. So Jericho um, had a real nice uh, fortified, it was a fortified city. It was like, uh, I looked it up on the internet, how trustworthy, I don't know. 11-foot walls, which probably like Fort Knox. It's like 11-foot walls back in the heyday. It's like, these are really high walls, really thick walls. You can't, you're not getting in there. So like, you can't get in there. So God says, walk around the city. Do it once per day. Blow a ram's horn and just walk around the city. Do it once, once per day. Do that for six days, right? On the seventh day, do the same thing you just did every other day, but do it seven times, right? So on the seventh day, do it seven times. And, send, and then in Joshua 6, here's what Joshua says to the people. And this reinforces my, my last segment that I, that I spoke of. In Joshua 6, verse 10, it says, Joshua commanded the people, he said, you shall, you shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out of your mouth until the day I tell you to shout. Then you shall shout. So they go around seven times on that seventh day. And on that final turn, it's almost like on the race, right? The ram's horn blows, and it's almost like everyone's already around the city, and they all storm the city. But at this point, the walls come tumbling down. So they take, they take the city. So what does faith look like with this illustration? It feels like um, walking in circles, day after day after day after day, and like not talking, just like the mundane. Like you imagine being in their shoes, right? You're, you know, you, Joshua, Joshua was told this. The people don't know this. Joshua's like, hey, go do this. And they're like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just crazy. But in the end, God brings the victory. The mundane 
act of faith, God brings the victory, right? So ultimately, the city's taken. So our last, last segment. Amen? Hebrews 11.31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Wild. So here's the context. We just, I just spoke about Jericho, right? So this is before, this is before the people um, walk around Jericho. So kind of just hit the rewind button. At this point, Joshua's like, all right, we're coming up on Jericho. I'm going to send two spies to spy out, check out what's going on in Jericho. So all we're told is these guys go, Joshua sends them, and it's kind of a quick transition. They end up at a prostitute's house. I'm not going to get into that. That's just very strange. The prostitute's name is Rahab. They stay the night. Not sure what happens there. The next day, here's what happens. The king finds out, we got two guys, uh, two Hebrew guys here. Like, where are they? So he confronts Rahab, and Rahab lies to the king. She's like, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but they're not here. And then she's like, oh, wait, actually, they, I saw them go out the gate. Yeah, I saw them go out the gate. And so the king's like, okay, send the soldiers. So they send the soldiers. But ultimately, she hides them on the roof, you know? This is <laughs> It's a crazy story. So she meets the spies on the roof later that night, right? And I love this. I love this. I'm going to read this. This is Joshua 2, 9 to 13. Um, and she said to the men, the spies, this is Rahab talking. She said, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the fear of you has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land uh, melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the Red Sea um, before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites and beyond the Jordan, uh, to Sion and Og, these leaders. Is that a, I'm not even sure, actually. But whatever. Those people, they were devoted to destruction. As, and as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted. So the people of Jericho, our hearts melted. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is the God in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you also deal kindly with my father's house and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. It's powerful, super powerful. Like Give me like goosebumps. And at this point, the spies are like, we swear, we swear. What you have just said, we swear to it. And they go back to Joshua and they relay the message, the, the message to Joshua. And then Jericho happens, right? <clears throat> Sorry. So the people of Israel <clears throat> plunder the city. They take the gold, the silver, the bronze, and the iron. They kill everyone all the livestock, and they burn the entire city to the ground, except for Rahab and her household. Now, Rahab, the prostitute, ultimately becomes the great-great-grandmother to King David, right? And her name is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. If you go to the first chapter of Matthew and you start reading all those weird names, Rahab's in there. Rahab, the prostitute, is in the line to the Savior Jesus. It's insane. It's incredible. Um, so here's what faith looked like. Faith looks like Rahab's posture to God. It's clear in the text that she knows that she's not on God's side and that she's destined for destruction along with those in her city. 
She describes everyone's heart being melted away and everyone's impending destruction is near. She cries out for mercy for herself and her household, and she receives mercy. The takeaway for all of us in, um, is in our lives, we need to come to that moment like Rahab where we cry out for mercy because the impending destruction we deserve is coming. Um, and we know from Scripture that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So this, um, I've had this text for a long time, and uh, it's been awesome. Thank you, Scott, for pushing me. And um, I've been just reading and meditating and just being challenged, and it's just been awesome. Um, but I wanted to ask a question to you that I, that I asked myself. Um, have you ever thought about what your by-faith paragraph would say? Okay? I just read all these little segments. That, you know, Rahab's got a little shout-out, Moses. Everyone's got a shout-out in this little um, segment here. Have you ever thought about what your paragraph would say? So I thought about what mine would say. I was, um, I was really, I was really um, taken by the, the Rahab text. I just was like, it's Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> and ultimately she becomes, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Kind of grafted in, if you will. And uh, yeah, her story, I mean, she did a by faith act before, before knowing who, who, who Jesus was. And um, I started thinking about my story. You know, I, like I said, I resonated with her. I was far from God. I didn't become a Christian until I was, was 15. But prior, prior to being a, um, prior to knowing who Christ was, but, but knowing of God, like I, I was basically Rahab. I knew that God was coming to judge my sin. I knew it. I knew it. I just didn't have hope. And so I was afraid all the time. My heart was melting away. Um, and so I have a by faith story. I have a pre-Jesus by faith story that, that I want to share with you. I remember I was living in, uh, up in Sussex, the Sussex County at this point. Well, I, and like I said, I had anxiety my whole life. But I remember, you know, I'm like really afraid to die. And um, I just decided to do this random thing. No one told me to do it. I just did it. As, I think I was probably 10 years old. And um, I had my own room. My twin brothers had their room over there. And I remember my closet, which for, you know, any 10-year-old was probably just everything thrown in there. Mom says, clean your room, right? Um, I remember I cleaned out my closet. All my clothes were still hanging. I got into the lower section of the closet, and I shut the door. And so I was in this dark place where I just closed my eyes, and I literally prayed. You know, I had no idea what I was praying. I said, God, I don't want to die. And I would do that over and over and over again, and I would weep. I would weep. And you know, nothing ever happened. I was 10 years old. I did that multiple times. I remember like even like some of my friends or maybe my brothers, I can't remember, but somebody found out that I was doing that. <laughs> I never forget what I said. I'd be like, well, where's your church? I called that my church. Um, yeah, it's just wild. Like I had no idea what was going on. But yeah, I was 10. And as I said in my story, like sometimes like by faith just takes time. You know, like I God ultimately answered those prayers, those, those, those cries out for mercy. And I shared my story earlier about <clears throat> you know, going to that church, hearing the Romans text, what the Bible teaches, that, that if you confess and believe with your, your whole heart and, 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 and put your trust in Jesus, you'll be saved. And so that was my by-faith um, act then. And you know, we're told in Scripture that Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. So Jesus, Jesus started my faith you know, before I even knew him, you know? 
but he brought it to completion that day when I found out that, you know, the unseen God is seen in Jesus, you know? And um, <clears throat> because now that, now that I believe, I believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus, you know, you know being born, miraculously born, right? The, uh, the virgin birth, living a life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, promising um, a Holy Spirit to help us while he's gone. That, sh- that, should, that, that knowledge up here should, should come out here, right? So I actually have a by-faith um, story also about, I believe this, so I'm going to just do that. I remember as a, as a younger Christian, as I said, I, I, I was, uh, you know, I, I put my faith in Jesus when I was 15, and my uncle was a big influence in my life. My dad wanted no part of this. My dad was not a Christian, and he, he actually did not support me uh, coming to faith. So my uncle was a, a real, my mom's brother was a real um, strength for me, uh, like a father. And I remember he used to take me on these, all these places. I wasn't really going to mention this, but yeah, he used to take me like, um, I won't mention it, whatever, ask me later. The story I want to share. <laughs> um, he, he introduced me to this special couple. Their names were um, Barb, so Barbara, Barb and Poppy. So Barb and Poppy, they were married, they were Christians. And they lived in a bed and breakfast where their job was to, you know, change the sheets and, you know, get all the rooms reset for, um, you know, new people that are coming through. So they lived down in the basement. And so my uncle, you know, who I trusted like a father, he said, hey, I'm going to introduce you to some people. And he said, he said, these are special people. And I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> so I'll never forget, I would, um, I got in there, I met these people, and I was talking earlier about like faith is like substance and the proof of things not seen. I walk in this house and I feel the air. I like feel it. I can feel almost like the Holy Spirit. I can feel God in this place. And you talk to them and you look them in the eye and they're talking to you. They like love me. They are loving me fiercely, like just how they talk to me. How are you? Who are you? Tell me your story. Everything. The sitting down for a meal and just the amount of love I felt, I was just, I was convicted. I was like, oh. I was like breathless, like the, 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 the substance that they had. Anyway, so the story, that's not my story. That's a, that's a context story. Am I doing good on time? I'm doing good? All right, good. So the story I have, the by faith story I have is... Um, you know, and I would visit them periodically, so I, I built a relationship with them. Ultimately, I remember, I think it was, I think it was like 2000 and, I don't even know, 2010 or 11, I don't know. Poppy dies, the, the husband dies. What a sweet guy, sweet guy. I went to his viewing, I remember crying. And I, I, at this point, I didn't have a lot of people dying in my life, you know, thankfully. And I just didn't know how to wrestle with that. But then, I, you know, just a young Christian or whatever, and um, I remember reading Visit the Widows. I think it's mentioned in like a New Testament something, letter. Just visit the widows. No context, no instruction. <laughs> visit the widows. And I was like, oh, I know a widow. I'm going to go visit Barb. So I'm in sales. Um, I have a territory in North Jersey, so I'm always around. I'm always kind of just driving around. And I have freedom. I've never worked nine to five in my life. It's awesome. <laughs> But it gave me so much freedom, I would just go to these places, whatever. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to show up on Barb's doorstep because I'm supposed to visit the widows. And I remember, i never forget, 
I knock on the door, and there's like a look of terror almost. She didn't know who it was. She's not expecting anybody. I'm just a big individual out there. And she opens it, and she sees me. Her face changes. And Scott has always told me that I'm very disarming. I come across a certain way, but the people are like, oh, he's cool. He's cool. Okay. So Barb welcomed me in, and I would just sit in there and talk with her. And, you know, she knew me. She, she would always say, I miss, I miss Poppy. I just want to go be with him, all that. And, like, we would just chat. And I'd been there, like, I don't even know, a bunch of times, maybe, like, twice a year I'd stop in. And this was, like, a few years would go by. And then I remember one day I went to her apartment, and it was no, there were no lights on. It was dark, it was closed, it was locked, and no one ever came to the door. And I think I went back again, and she wasn't there. And um, I remember she was like, Where the, where'd she go, you know? So time went on, I think at least a year, and I don't know, I just, I felt prompted to find her. And so I started asking questions. My mom, like this, everyone kind of knows, hey, have you seen, where is she, where is she, where is she? And someone told me, she's at a nursing home. She's, 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 she's declined mentally. I think she had like onset of dementia or whatever. She's declined mentally. She just can't live on her own anymore. And I was like, I got to go see the widow. And so I ended up finding her. I'll never forget. Um, and you know, whatever. People do their best, but nobody was loving this lady, man. I go in there. She was just like, like people are everywhere. Like, you know, it's, it's a hard place to, to be in. But she was just sitting there over by herself, slumped shoulders, like raggedy hair, and just kind of like this, you know? And like, I didn't know what I was doing. I show up, I go sit with her, and her face just changes. And then she starts weeping. She starts crying. And I'm like, and then now there's the whole like, what does she hear me saying? I don't know. Like, there's just like a, there's a lot of questions. And now at this point, I'm, I'm not claiming that I know what I'm doing or what, what's happening. But I'm like, I'm there to see a widow. I'm going to do the best I can. And so she's weeping. And I start, I, I have this vision um, in, in, in the end. When, when we see Jesus face to face, he wipes their tears, right? And um, I start wiping her tears. And I start kissing her tears. And I was like, I just was like, yeah, I don't know what this is doing, but I'm going to do it. Because it just seems like the right thing to do. So I did that. And then, like, she's just, like, so happy. So happy. And... And then she, like, she made a request. She's like, can you help me? Can you walk me to my room? So I end up, and she's you know, elderly and, and obviously a lot going on. And I walk her to her room, and it was just, she had a roommate, but her roommate wasn't there. And I like, escort her to her bed. And then she like, lays down. And it was just such a, like my hair stands up. It's like, I felt like I was ushering her into eternity. She like, laid down, she like, crossed her arms, and she just kind of stared like, out, past the room, past the ceiling. And I remember I told her, I was like, listen, like, and at this point, like, I'm struggling with, I, you know, I have faith in Jesus, but, like, I got stuff, man. I got, I got stuff. I told her, like, I'm really struggling. Like, I have anxiety. Like, I have a lot of stuff. Even, even though I'm, I'm following Jesus, I still have a lot. And I told her, never stop praying. Don't, ever, don't you dare stop praying. And um, I never saw her again. I don't know the timetable, but I remember talking to my, the people who said where to find her, they called me one day. And you're like, uh, Barb passed away. And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> and like, why do I share that story? Um, I don't know. I don't know what I did. I just did what the Bible said to do. And I trust God with the result. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of questions, but I did it. Um, you know, and, and we're getting towards the end. Um, 
like I read earlier, the, the, the Hebrews text, right? Faith is, is substance. Faith is, is palpable. Faith is experience. Faith is, is wiping those, those tears. Um, it's the proof of things unseen. I, I was wiping her tears because I believed that, that Jesus was going to do that on the other side, you know? Um, I believe that he exists, so I, I, I seek him, right? I sought Barb, right? And it's like the seeking is the doing. The seeking is the believing. So I asked you guys before I shared these stories, um, what do you want your by-faith by paragraph to be? Does, does anything come to mind? You have to start with Rahab. You have to start with the melted heart. There's no hope. Um, what I think is crazy is it, we're told in the text that everyone's heart was melting away in Jericho. But you know what was different? Everyone's heart was melted. They all knew the, the judgment, right? But Rahab had faith. She took a step of faith. She lied and she protected God's people and she, she ultimately was grafted in. She took that step. And so like, that's our starting point for us. We, we have to come to that place where, yeah, like the destruction of Jericho is coming. The destruction of this nation is coming. Everything's like, it's coming. Like everything's coming. And we have to get to that point where we need Jesus. We need to cry out for mercy. And then once that, that's true, once that, that's true in you and, and, and you have the Spirit of God, you have the Helper, you have the Holy Spirit, you have to allow that Spirit to, to, to go, uh, as Hebrews eleven six says, you have to believe that He exists, you have to believe that you have the Spirit and, 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 and seeking Him and fleshing it out. Um, I highlighted seven segments. One of those is, is sacrificing something you love or losing something that's really important to you. And, you know, there's a lot of people here that, that have been following Jesus for quite some time. There might be some people who haven't or not at all. But, like, willingness to sacrifice something, willingness to lose something. You might have actually lost it. Maybe God didn't save your, your Isaac, and you actually lost it. There's, there's people in our community that have lost things. But you've got you to hold on. You've got to hold on and know that, that God's going to redeem that on the other side. Um, a hard word for somebody. Somebody in this room has something hard they need to say to somebody. Somebody on this, on this call who's going to listen, you've got to say that hard word to somebody who's wandering. Somebody who's wandering needs to hear that hard word from you. You've got to take that step of faith and say something. Some of you are blending in to the culture, and you're not, you're not doing this. You're like, yeah, I'm cool. I, I'm here. I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'm chilling. Some of you got to do this. Some of you got to stand out a little bit. Um, spiritual gifts. We don't talk a lot about that, but Spiritual gifts, man, like that, that's a gift from God, man. Like some of you might have a gift. Some of you might feel scared to be like, hey, like I have dreams and it's weird, you know, or something. Like have, ha take a step of faith. Like believe that your, whatever you have going on can, can be shared with the community for good. Um, be silent. Like some of you might be struggling. Like, hey, man, I feel like this world's going to hell in a handbasket. We got to fight. We got to fight. We got to fight. It's like, no, man. We gotta stand firm. We gotta trust that the Lord fights for us. We gotta be silent like the Lord. And He fights for us. He goes before you. Um, some of you live a very mundane life and you're like, where's God? What am I doing? Like every day, I think about the moms, right? I mean, when I'm home with my kids, it's very mundane, very hard. <laughs> but guys, you don't know what's gonna happen. Those moments you hang out with your kids day after day. Some of you have a really terrible job that you hate. You go there every day and you're like, God's not here. God can't use this. No, He can. And he will. And we know from the story of Jericho that they did nothing. They didn't talk. They just walked. And, and God gave them a victory. We know that. But you've got to believe that. You've got to believe it. And then you're like, yeah, I have to do this lame life that I live because ultimately God's going to redeem it. Um, 
And then just some other examples, like I said, this is just thrown out. We're visiting a widow and seeing what happens. Tithing. No one likes to talk about money, man, but that's, that's, a, that's a faith issue, man. Like, God owns all the money, you know? We're all on different levels, but someone who's in this room or on this call needs to know that you're not giving all the money that you need to give to God. And it's, and it's you believe it. You're like, yeah, I'm supposed to be generous. Yeah, tithe, eh, kind of, uh. But no, like, the two widows' mites, right? Like, Jesus praised the two widow because she gave everything. And you got all these, like, guys who are just dumping truckloads of money in the church. He's like, yeah, no, 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 over there. See that lady? She gave two pennies. That's the one. That's the posture of giving. Now, if you believe that, you believe that up here, but can you do it? Can you really give the money to whoever that's for? Take it. Confessing sin. <laughs> I do this a lot. <laughs> Probably too much. But, like, the Bible says confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Has anybody sinned in the last week? Go ahead. Come on. Ready? Hands down. Has anybody confessed it? It's faith. Here. I believe that. It says it. Do it. But, but ah, I don't know if I trust them. Do they love Jesus? Do they have the Spirit of God? Can they pray for you? To me, that's, I'll confess my sin to every, anyone in this room. You follow Jesus. You pray to God. You have access to the Holy Holies. I'll, 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 I'll confess. I'll give, you, I'll give you, I need prayer. I need healing. <sighs> Serving the poor. Like, this is stuff I thought of, you know? <laughs> Like, sometimes, like, yeah, serving the poor is nice from a distance. I'll give a, give a couple bucks. But, like, hanging out with people who don't look like you, don't sound like you, don't smell like you, don't eat like you, don't live like you. Like, somebody needs to hear, man, you need to, you need to start meshing your life with people who, the least of these, you know? And that takes faith, man. It takes, like, yeah, go do that. Don't think, like, oh, that's kind of inconvenient next week. Or you're going to make every excuse in the book. you got to take that step. And the, the last one I have here is... Um, the secret place, and I kind of highlighted that. Like the Bible says to, you know, if you meet with God, meet him in that secret place. And uh, that sounds crazy. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere where no one sees me and no one knows, and I say a bunch of words that I don't know if I heard. That just takes, that takes faith. And we won't, we might not see, see the fruits of that for quite some time. So, sorry, I'm burping. <laughs> so, to close, one, I was worried. I didn't want to hammer you guys. I didn't want to hammer you, but I, I, I want to speak plainly with you guys. Um, to those of you who are not doing this list, do it. You know what your thing is. I just gave you like a bunch. There's hundreds more. N you know what your thing is. Love your enemies. When's the last time you loved an enemy? Who does that? That takes faith. <laughs> um, do it. You know what your thing is. Um, the belief in your head has to be incarnate. I, I actually came up with this this week. I, I, I asked Scott, Scott, is that, can I say that? Um, it's like here, it's up here, but it has to flesh itself. Like Jesus was, was talked about, but he fleshed himself. Your belief has to flesh itself. It has to be coming out of here. It has to be an arm, a hug. It, it has to be this. It has to be you. It has to be experiential. So if you're not doing any of these things, do it. Do it by faith. And like I said, the most important one, the melted heart. Address your melted heart. Cry out to the Lord. And for those of you who are, um, who've been following Jesus, being faithful, and you read this list and you were like, you know, not in like a, not like a braggy way, but like, yeah, man, I think I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Like, keep going. Keep going all the way, all the way to the end. I'm going to pray. <laughs> um, Father in heaven, I really, really enjoyed this text. I really enjoyed just, just learning um, just what happened 
in, in, in the past, but, but before Jesus, and just these, these just champions of faith, these people who trusted in the unseen but didn't have the, the reward. They, they looked ahead. And God, I'm just so thankful that they did that, that we can look back and, and acknowledge and learn from them. More than anything, God, I'm thankful for Jesus. I'm thankful for your heart towards this world, God, that you sent yourself to, um, to heal, to save the lost, God, and, and you welcome any and all to come. And so, God, I, as, I, as I prayed at the beginning, God, would you do much with these words? Would you, would you do much with this text? And, God, would you just change us forever, God, and let our faith grow, 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 all the way to the end. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.